What's up, citizens? As many of you know, before we recorded this episode, we uh, posted to Facebook uh, on our wall and to a couple of groups that we're in, and we asked y'all to describe Gen Z. And so what we asked was for y'all to describe Gen Z in three words. Uh, and some of y'all did really good at that. Uh, some of y'all uh, not, not so much. Um, but here's uh, what your responses were. I wanted to share with y'all a little bit about what y'all put. Um, one of y'all said uh, Gen Z is real. That's not three words, but it's it's cool. It's cool. Um, somebody else said entitled, lazy, and unprincipled, which that's really good because that's that's three words. Um, somebody else said uh, a boomer youth rehashed, which I thought that was actually really interesting. Uh, somebody else said the worst generation. That's a, that's a pretty strong language. And we also have needs attention. See right there, that's that's two words, that's not three. We also have a pessimistic, radical, and angry. And also we have delusioned, hopeful, and uh, outspoken. And then uh, somebody else uh, decided they wanted to, uh, to write two paragraphs. Here's what they said. It blows my mind that everyone's answer to this question is to automatically complain about the worst characteristics as though their generations are perfect. As a millennial, I remember when we were the cultural punching bags and were just berated by people as being lazy, entitled, and whining. That did us so much good. In addition, he said, as someone who actually works with Gen Z every day, I've got some observations that are more well-founded than, than philosophizing behind the keyboard. And he said, optimistic, passionate, and purposeful. So I share all that um, just to invite everybody uh, who's watching this um, Feel free to add some additional comments uh, below. Uh, let's get a conversation going on our, our thoughts about Gen Z. Uh, maybe they're critical, maybe they're concerning thoughts, or maybe they're hopeful and uh, optimistic. Uh, I don't know. But let's just see if we can get the conversation going. And um, we also cover this in the episode that y'all are about to, to watch. And uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I was able to sit down with a youth pastor, and he spends every day uh, working with a Gen Z students. So I hope y'all enjoy. Welcome to City Square Podcast, where we talk to everyday people about faith and work. My name is John. And if this is your first time tuning in, please uh, take a quick moment to subscribe to the channel, like the video, don't forget to click the bell. And throughout the conversation, if you have any questions or comments, don't hesitate to drop them below. My guest this episode is Antonio, who is making his second appearance on City Square. How are you doing today, man? I am great. Um, I am nasally and I'm tired. Um, it's currently evening time, right. and I'm I'm going through it, but it's okay. God's good. So that sounded so cheesy. I don't ever. Even <laughs> I'm a different. I feel like a different person on a podcast. Just, I'm getting used to this, but I'm good, man. I'm good. I think everybody's different when they get on camera. Yeah. Um, 
As, the pressure. Yeah. 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 Uh, I felt bad too whenever we were hopping on um, because if you're listening, you won't know this, but I was late hopping on to the, the call and um, just before this, uh, we were just finishing up our Bible study and tonight's topic um, was why do bad things happen? You know, if God's so good, if God's all powerful, um, why do bad things happen? If, if, and if bad things happen and he's all powerful and he doesn't stop them, then he's not good. Right. So we're, we're, we're talking about that whole dilemma. Um, and we had a really great conversation. And then after I was late because, um, one of our students asked a really good question and she asked, you know, what created sin? And so we got a chance to walk, to walk through some of Romans and um, it was really cool gospel conversation. So I, I got to share the gospel to her and she's heard it before, but it's like, she's at that wrestling stage where she's like, um, she's, she's a ninth grader and she's at that wrestling stage where she's getting into those early stages of understanding theology and understanding sin, understanding the Trinity and not fully understanding the Trinity, but you get the, you get the gist of what I'm saying. So it was just a really cool conversation. And it's one of those conversations that, you know, you can look back on that someone had with you that helped you build that foundation. So it was cool that she was trusting me to, you know, talk about those things and ask. So all that to say, sorry for being late. No, you're good, man. Those are awesome conversations, dude, because I mean, those are conversations that you can, you can build off of. They don't have to yeah. be like isolated conversations, but you can build off those. Yeah. So that's cool. And like we talked about before too, it's like our smart leaders are present there, like in that moment. Yeah. And so it was a cool, you know, thankfully that her smart leader is my wife. Um, <laughs> and so, so she gets to spend time with Madison, uh, my wife, uh, when I'm not there. And so it's just really cool that Madison gets to be in that environment and hear those conversations. Um, so they can take that and, and, and go deeper which is kind of like what our model is as a youth ministry. It's cool. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. It's yeah. so like your wife gets to be involved in those things also, it sounds like. Yeah, it's funny. She feels like she, you know, um, whenever we were getting married and, and, and whatnot, you know, all through that process, she was just kind of thrown into it willingly, yeah. like joyfully. But um, it's funny. We've talked about like when she started being a SWAT leader, and she genuinely can't remember. Like we can't remember when she started being a smart leader. It's like she was just naturally woven into the into the leadership vol- uh, volunteer role, and we can't pinpoint when it was. But ever <laughs> since then, she's been rolling with it. So, so um, what is a smart leader? A smart leader is that what you call them? Smart leader? Oh, or is a smart I prob- leader. Like what are you saying? Uh, I probably. Uh, uh, bl- blurred my my words together. Small group leader. Sorry. Wow is is that what you? <laughs> that's what I that's what I've been saying. That's how that's how nasally I am right now. I feel like I can't pronounce certain words. Huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> um. Man, I really hope you were slurring that together because, like, when this comes back around, like, one of us is going to look ridiculous. And I'd yeah, hopefully it's you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so I mean, so basically, so like she's one of like the the small group leaders, right? Yeah, and like okay, and so like, did she start doing that after y'all got married, or was she doing that before? She she was doing that before. Okay. Um, whenever we got married, there was kind of just like that natural 
you know, you're a staff wife thing. And so, and she embraced that very well and, um, and she loves it. Um, so when we did get married, um, she, she definitely took it a lot more seriously. Um, not that she didn't take it seriously before, but she sees how God's calling her in the context of our marriage, right? Like we're both in ministry. We're both called to ministry. Um, and we are one, so we we need to walk in that obedience, um, there. So, so for anybody who might not know, like you're the assistant youth director at y'all's church, right? Yep. Um, so we have, uh, so we have two associate youth directors now since I, yeah, since we last talked, um, two associate youth directors, um, uh, and, and she's awesome. Her name's Heather Statzer. And if she ever listens to this, you are awesome. And like a big sister to me, um, shout out to Heather. (laughs) Um, and so it's me, Heather Statzer, our amazing, um, family ministry assistant, Regina Rice. And then my awesome uh, mentor and leader, uh, Taylor Brent, who is the student pastor. Gotcha. Cool, man. So um, it sounds like like your Madison wife gets to uh, does uh, she gets to I guess spend time and disciple like some of like the the young girls in the church as a small group leader. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. She uh, so she's part of our ninth and tenth grade small group home. So what's cool about our model is one of the things that we've noticed with our students in the context of our students in in their generation, um, you know, Generation Z, you know, here in a few years coming up on Generation Alpha, but um, connections important, right? Like having meaningful connections important. And one thing that we found interesting was our students want to not just be with people their age, but people for, you know, outside of that bubble. So one step we took as a ministry was combining specific age groups that are appropriate to have deeper, small, deeper, small group discussion with, but not create an environment where it's just them all the time. Like, because if it was, there's not much opportunities for discipling to old, younger students or maybe less experienced students in their faith, or there's no, dis, there's no opportunity for um, students to be discipled to, you know, and look up to an example. And so right now, the way that we have it set up, Madison goes to a ninth and 10th grade home. Her and a few other uh, lady volunteers um, go to this home in, within the community and their students meet at this home ninth and 10th grade girls and boys. And they have the option to have group discussion together as, you know, mixed gender boy and girl, or they can split off depending on where the discussion's going um, and stuff like that. And so Madison does get a chance to spend time with those girls. You said generation alpha, you mean Gen Z, right? Uh, Well, I'm saying like here in a couple of years, generation alpha is coming up into our ministry. But yeah. like that's definitely one of the trends that is is like I don't I would say like you know gen- Generation Zs they care about connection and real meaningful connection, yeah. Um, and you definitely see that trickling down to Generation Alpha. It looks a little bit different, um, but but for but for sure see that you know affecting Generation Alpha for sure. So how is like Generation Zs a uh, desire for? 
connection and like relationship is what you're talking about, right? Like genuine connection and relationships, that kind of thing. How is that different from like the millennial desire for like for authentic community and that kind of thing? Um, man. So, all right. So, so here's what I think of initially. Okay. Yeah. I have moments where, okay, like I'm considered a millennial. Yeah. Right? So like that. Okay. Are you, you too? Yeah. I'm like one of the first of the millennials, the early millennials. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, some people want to so, call us ex-ennials, but I think that's stupid. <laughs> well, put it this way. It's like one of the things that I was adjusting to, you know, was this whole concept of talking, you know, in dating relationships, right? That, that, that concept of talking where it's like there's now this added step in uh in dating now where it's like not you don't just go from being friends to dating you go from being friends oh now we're talking okay now we're dating you know that whole concept i'm not going to sit here and say argue if, if it's right or wrong or if i agree with it but me as a as a millennial you know i struggle with that because it was a way that you know gen z does things and i and i'm just sitting back here like i, I disagree with that like, I don't, I don't drive with that. I want to go straight into dating. Like that's, that's where I was, right? That's me personally. But, well, that's fascinating. but, and I, and I, and I didn't, I, I guess, it, I guess that view is more of a millennial view. If anything, I yeah. think the millennials might have started that. But for me personally, I kind of related to the whole, you know, you just jump right into dating. If you're interested in each other, you commit and that's it. Right. The reason why I bring all this up it's because I think the main difference from millennials to Gen Z is connection looks different. Connection yeah. looks different. Just because it looks different doesn't mean it makes it any less meaningful. Right. And so I can sit here and say, oh, you sitting there holding a Snapchat streak with your you know, friend who lives in Arkansas, who you haven't seen since the cruise back in 2016, but you hold a streak just because, and that's connection for you. Dude, okay, like, what? Okay, what's a streak? You don't know about that? Dude, I've used Snapchat like twice. I thought it was stupid. I actually, so honestly, I thought you, it was, I thought, I thought it's defunct. I thought it was dead. So I thought you, TikTok replaced it. Dude, it's not dead. It's, it's even crazier now. You can literally chat with an AI. You can chat with ChatGPT on your Snapchat. Oh, I didn't know we we're going to talk about that tonight. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's that's, that's another part of their generation too, right? Um, but anyways, if I could sum up, if I could answer that question, connection looks different. And so for me personally, as I'm leading Gen Z or as I'm ministering to them, if I want to teach them about a connection that's meaningful, and we all know that the main, the only connection that's meaningful is the connection with Jesus, is, is living in relationship with Jesus. That's the only meaningful relationship. And that any relationship that we have after that with people, with our family, with our friends, comes through that relationship with Jesus, right? So we want to teach about meaningful connection. I, as a leader... I can't sit there and ridicule what they view as meaningful connection 
without first teaching what an understanding of a meaningful connection with Jesus is. All right. Real Does that make back. sense? It, we're, I want to unpack that, but I still need you to tell me what a Snapchat streak is. Okay. So if you hold, not hold, but if you consistently Snapchat an individual for at least three days, yeah. a little fire emoji pops up next to that person's name on your feed. Yeah. And every day past that, that you, that you Snapchat someone, you get another, you, you add another number, right? And so yeah, you can get four or five, six days, 10 days. Once you get to a certain digit, the emoji changes to something. I don't know what it is now. I used to remember what it was. Um, like, I used to care about that stuff too when I was. You like get a gift card or something? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know nowadays. I haven't. I haven't downloaded Snapchat. I haven't had Snapchat for years now for obvious reasons. But um, I haven't had Snapchat since you knew me in college, and that was a different Antonio. That's probably good. You don't have anymore, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, dude. So, like, the more I get involved in, like, the, the text space, dude, things like that bother me. Yeah. Because, like, ultimately, that's just a way for Snapchat to manipulate people to stay on the platform. For sure. Um, and so, like, but that does matter, especially, like, to, to, like, kids, like, you, um, they don't like to be called youth anymore, they like to be called students, right? Yeah. So, like, for students and stuff, like, those things are big deals. It's right. so like when you're talking to them, you don't want to just go into them, go in there and just like, just run all over like those things that are meaningful to them. But I think it's in a sense kind of what you're, you're building up to, man. Right. And, and so like, sorry. So like these, so like, so what you're saying is a lot of like their connection and like how they maintain relationships is more digital based than the previous generations, correct? Um, yes. And I, and not that I'm not that I'm thinking that you're limiting it to that, but no, no, I'm not saying it's exclusively yeah, yeah, yeah. that, but it's more right, right, right. But it, it definitely yeah. is for sure, for sure, for sure. Which is not inherently a bad thing. I mean, if, right, right. You and I are talking right now through a a video platform. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so this is cool. This is meaningful uh, because things oh, yeah. like this exist. You and I still like have a connection. So like, obviously, these things are not like bad. They do have meaning. They do hold value in that. Yeah. Um, but what you're saying is like the way that they do connection is a little bit is different. And doing so in that way, it's more meaningful to them than it's to the millennials or Gen X and so on. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's a very good way of putting it. What are you doing, man? Um, I thought of a verse that um, may or may not apply. And again, to anyone that's listening, I'm just a little less than two years in ministry and I'm learning. Um, and so this may not contextually apply, but I'm glad you're on this with me because you can, um, you can hold me accountable to, uh, this, this passage here, but I first, Corin- yeah, I just put a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> first Corinthians chapter nine, uh, verse 22, first Corinthians chapter nine, verse 22. It says, to the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. So I think about that often when it comes to Gen Z or yeah. even any future generation. 
and in pre- like hold me accountable here to what the pastor is saying because I'm not studied fully yet, you know, on, on, on the context of all this. But what I what I the reason why I hold on to that is because Paul's making this clear distinction that if I have this traditional way of my generation that I believe that this is the only way of, of true connection, then I'm limiting what God can do with the Gen Z's version of connection. Does that make sense? No, no. Yeah, man. And so I think kind of like what you're saying is like, is like you want to understand uh, the times that you exist in so that you can be like the most effective that uh, you can be. Correct. Right. Cause I believe that's yeah. what Paul is doing there. Yeah, there's a lot he says in here, man. Uh, like, like to those who are under the law, I became under the law myself, and like so that I could save some and, and that kind of thing. And so, like, yeah. he's basically saying is like, I want to. He's like, to the people I'm going to, I want to know, I want to know who I'm going to, so that I can be basically effective to those who I'm I'm going to. Yeah. And so and he's it, like, he wants to know and understand the people group. He wants to like to the without. He wants to blend in without sinning, and so that he can be. Uh, effective so that people will like basically listen to him in a sense. Anyways, uh, back on track, man. So, um, so we're not saying that uh, Gen Z is only values community that is digital, but what we are saying is that they do value that more like than others do. And so, like you're talking about, like the the Snapchat streaks and the and that kind of thing. Um, so, like that's a way that they value like community different than like millennials do. Yeah, because like I remember, I know when I was growing up, one of the things that they said that was different about millennials is how millennials value like they they always call the authentic community. They want a community that's authentic and it's real and it's like all that kind of stuff. It was weird. Like that was why like you saw uh, there was a a a rise, which still wasn't a lot, but it was something of the like young like millennials that would move to like smaller and rural towns. Because they could get a uh-huh. better sense of community from small towns than they could in bigger cities. And so, yeah. And this was like before, way before COVID and stuff. Um, yeah. So that's kind of why I was curious as to like what you meant by like uh, Gen Z, like values, like relationships and that kind of thing. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Part of me too is like, you know, I, I wonder why the, the, the next generation feel that way about connection. Like, oh, we want, we want authentic, we want real meaningful connection. Yeah. Well, no, I think we talked about it before previously, but they see right through the bull crap. Like, yeah, this generation is very, very receptive to when someone's, you know, is yanking their chain and, and it shows. Um, and so I wonder, you know, okay, what happened? You know, what led these, this generation here, you know, to this point where they, at, at a, such an early age, didn't experience meaningful connection. So now that they're getting to that adolescent age where they're starting to think about reality, they're starting to think about their purpose and their value. And now because of their lack of real meaningful collection at some connection at some point in their early lives creates this urge this need for real authentic relationships whereas you and i growing up 
I never really worried about all my friends really being my friends. Like I just, I just trusted that. And I don't know if that's a millennial thing or that's, you know, subject to my context. Um, but where along the lines did that become such a high priority? Because I can imagine that earlier generations, authentic relationships were a norm. Now it's just like, there's so much bullcrap in the world that our kids, the youth are so subjective, um, are, are so aware of it, sorry, are so aware of this beware of fake relationships, you know? Does that make yeah. sense? No. Yeah, some of that makes sense, man. Um, some, some I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of curious about some of that, though. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, again, I'm new to this whole podcast thing. So. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious. Um, because, like, I mean, kids, like, even like teenagers, like kids, uh, usually kids are really good about being able to, uh, to tell whenever, like, uh, somebody's BSing them. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, interesting because kids usually get accused of, like, being stupid and not doing anything. But, like, if you're, if you're BSing them, like, they, they know. Um, yeah. that's generally when you catch them, like, having an attitude and quite often they're not being, like, rude and disrespectful. It's because, like, they, sometimes, not all the time, they see, they see it from you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, were you saying earlier that they, um, they do or don't have a concern about whether or not people are their real friends? Uh, they do. Yeah, they okay. do, for sure. Shout out to OVO Drake. No new friends, no new friends, all that song. <laughs> you got you got fake friends. Yeah. That song. How's that, how's that song go? I can't remember the Dude. I know the name of the song. I have no idea, man. I don't I don't really listen to it. I I can remember his dance. Anyways, I'm sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> I'm I'm vibing out in my head right now. Let me see. I don't. I didn't really answer the question, though, did I? Uh you're as a part of it, man. Yeah. Um. Because, but I like so, I, they value digital relationships higher, basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, um. For sure. And so, when like obviously, like when you're you're with the kids, like you're not you don't want to like you don't want to like speak ill of that or tell them it's stupid or, and that kind of thing. But like, I mean, do you think that's a good thing? Do I think technology is a good thing? Yeah, but like, do you think like putting a high value on like digital relationships like is a good thing? Um, because in the context of this generation, because yeah. it's such a high priority in the list, absolutely. Okay. Uh, why is that? I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were what we were were going to talk about. So um, let me let me let me let me ask you to this way. Is it a good thing if somebody would rather Snapchat a friend in a different state instead of go meet their friend they go to school with at a coffee shop? That question, I like that question better. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I do not think that's a good thing. Okay. All right. Now, now I can get deeper into that and overthink it and say, okay, 
you know, what kind of relationship, what, what's the content of this relationship? Like, is this student just simply going to meet with a friend because it's a person there, but the quality and the content of the relationship is trash or, you know, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or is this Snapchat connection? Like, are they having meaningful, encouraging conversation that's leading to life? You know? So, and that's, and that's kind of like where I'm at with it is like, we, we are, yes, it's kind of crazy to me personally. Um, I'm learning to get more attached to technology so I can be, I can relate to our students because there are so many students that the content of their relationship with tech, with people through technology, um, is sometimes, sometimes higher quality than the content that they have no option to be around in person, right? Like we have students who are in broken homes and their neighborhoods are not good neighborhoods. And when it comes to the people that they get to be around, because they can't control who they're around to a certain point, right? As a child, you can't drive. You can't, or even as a 15 year old, you can't drive. You can't, um, there's no guarantee your parents are going to take you anywhere you ask. No, you don't choose your family. You don't choose your neighborhood. You don't choose yeah. your school. You don't choose any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think we're seeing is that, yes, it's at face value. It can be alarming to see that a student wants to stay in and FaceTime so-and-so versus go yeah. hang out in person. But if I, as a parent or even as, you know, a small, small leader, small group leader, not a small leader, small group leader, and being asked by my student, you know, what should I do? And I said, what's the quality of the relationship? What's the conversation that's being had? Yeah. You know, and technology has been a way to foster quality relationships. Okay. No, that's interesting, man. I mean, those are good points. Uh, because like you, you have to factor in like the quality, like you're saying. Um, yeah. like is, um, you gotta factor in the quality. I mean, it does, it is helpful when you factor in like the, the home life experience, like the living, the the quality of life that they do have where they actually live and, and that kind of thing. So I mean like that's, yeah. so like you can't really make a blanket, like, yes, it's good or yes, it's bad. Right. 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 Um, with that being said, uh, there are certain ways then that I see it where I'm like, some of this, like some of it isn't good. Yes. Um, Cause like, I know people who, like, Thanks, know dudes, right. Oh, man, don't do that to me. Um, All right, we, we won't go there. We won't go there. <laughs> Turn it left now. I want to see a COVID lane. I want to get monetized someday, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause like I know dudes who like, they won't be girls in real life, but they've got a girlfriend on Snapchat who lives. They like, won't meet. Oh people. yeah, for sure. Like who are like 1500 miles away that they've never met in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, come on, dude. Like for sure. You're better. And then, come on. and then to your point, like to your point, there are youth and, and some of our students who, when it comes to meeting with a good friend in person yeah. would rather talk with on the phone or Snapchat and stay at home and FaceTime, you know, a fun or exciting relationship, but really may not be healthy. And there is a lot of that. There's a lot of, I'm attached to this and don't want to, this, this is another end of it, but I don't want to expose myself to real connection. I don't want to expose myself to, to having to be vulnerable. Um, Yeah. 
that's a different side of it too. It's like before C nineteen. Huh. Um, this was an issue, but after C nineteen, that's an airplane, right? Yeah. <laughs> after uh, after C nineteen, it's it's an it's an increasing issue. You have more and more younger people who have like social anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. because they have social anxiety, they would rather connect with people over phones and computers than they would in, in real life. Yep. Yep. It's so like yep. that, like, so like that's a problem, right? Yeah. Um, like, do y'all deal with that much? Like, how do y'all, how do y'all feel about that? Man, so one of the, one of the cool things that I love about what our team has done, um, this is where what where we feel that youth ministry is moving in the direction of. Um, but one of the things that we we do, and I briefly mentioned it, we we meet in communities, right? We meet in one three times a week. We have different homes that cover different areas throughout the the Sugarland area and Richmond area, and these homes are vetted. They're picked by uh, you know, our team and their members of the church, they open their home up and all these students will come and meet at their homes anywhere between eight to, you know, 15, 20 students meet there. Nice. What we do is we all can't be at all those different homes at once. Right. And so we actually have an amazing media team. And this is where I think our, our, the, the bridge church has, has been amazing is our media team. Shout out to our media team. They are incredible. Um, I talked about that briefly before. Um, but what we do is we record our messages. We broadcast that. We, we, we don't broadcast them. We, we, we post them on YouTube. And then our leaders, when, when they get to their homes, will pull up, the, pull up the TV and get YouTube on there, search up our page. And we have our recorded messages right there in front of them. And so they sit in the living room of the home and they listen to the message and the same content that they would receive in person may not have the bantering that you can experience whenever you have people in front of you. Right. But it's the truth. It's, 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 it's meaningful. It's the word, it's the word, you know? So from there, it so throws like, and like in small groups, you're saying? Yes. And so here's what's cool about this though, is it's not, it's on YouTube. It's not like it's yeah. exclusive to small, to small group leaders at the homes. So we are actually able to meet our students at their, at their level and give them a resource to stay in touch with the youth ministry, even though they may not be showing up, even though they may not be going to small group. Um, and me personally, I lead a 12th grade small group. And we've had a student who's definitely more so social anxiety. COVID hit him really hard um, and doesn't ever often come to the church. But he's kept up with our teachings. He's shown up to group maybe three or four times over the semester. But he chooses to show up after working after school. And he shows up to small group. I mean, it's just it's, it's really cool. Um, and so it just goes to show that when we use technology and the way that there our, our students are using it, we can leverage it to then foster meaningful connections. 
Okay, so I want to make sure I understand kind of like what you're saying. So, like, all of y'all's, like, the sermons and teaching, uh, y'all put that stuff up on YouTube for the public to see. Yeah. And it's there for people to watch in small groups in the homes. Yes. Like, yes. Instead of, like, showing up to the facility, like, on Sunday, right? Right, right. Okay. But in addition to that, y'all have people who will will choose to uh, like watch it and uh, by themselves like alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 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 what's really cool is we'll have our small group leaders use that as a resource. So um, one of one of Madison's co leaders, she'll take the link of the YouTube and throw it into their small groups group message. And we have a few students that attend different churches with their families, but when they come, but when they come to group and they missed a few weeks, our leaders are sending them that link so they can still stay in touch with what we have going on. Is it the same as coming to service? No, but does it allow that student to be felt and heard in the moment of their need or where they're at in life where they just can't make it because they don't drive or they're not socially, you know, at a social, socially healthy place where they want to show up in front of people. Well, their small group leader can love on them just by simply sending a website, right? Yeah. That's not a, that's not something that, that yours or I parents would see and think, Oh, that's loving. But our students see that as, wow, they're meeting me where I'm at. And that's really cool. So how do you go from meeting the person to where they're at to helping them grow and move beyond where they're at? Intentionality. Um, Not only it's, it can't be just that one action, right? It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be consistent and there's gotta be follow through. Um, the student that I had a conversation with that I was, um, that caused me to be a little bit behind tonight. Um, I've been dropping little nuggets like, Hey, how are you? Hey, did, did, did you know about this? You know, do we have, we have this coming up. Um, and then when she shows up, I talk with her and I, I ask her how she's doing, how her family's doing. Um, and, now we're sitting there talking about the gospel and she's definitely a little bit more on the side of nervous, you know, not really the most socially confident person, but she's sitting there holding conversation and dialogue with me about sin, about how sin could be in this world. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's really cool. And our smart leaders are having conversations like that too. Gotcha, man. Like I am, uh, I think it's, I think it's, like phenomenal that technology has gotten to a point where you can have pretty solid, healthy relationships, like with people who live in different cities, states and countries, uh, like they need to do. Like, I think that's awesome. I think what you and I are doing here, the fact that we're able to do this is, is really cool. And yeah. I don't think we actually understand how amazing it is. Uh, cause we never really, we even like never really lived in a place where you just, you had, to wait weeks and months to get a message. Right, right, right. right. Like when you hear about people who like fought like in the Civil War and World War II 
like they were still fighting like after those wars were over because the message had not got to them yet. Yeah. Like that's that's unthinkable. Uh, yeah. But like now we we can know within seconds what happened across the other side of the world. Yeah. Within seconds, I can have a face to face conversation with you through like my iPhone and that kind of stuff. Like that stuff is incredible technology, and yeah. like we should like be really thankful for that. I do have like an increasing concern about the amounts of like anti-socialness anti how anti-social like people are like our age and younger and right. like how they don't like to go out in the public how like they like i'm not gonna go to uh heb i'll just go to my phone i'm not gonna right. go like grab a burger i'll just have it dropped off at my house i'm not gonna do this i'll have somebody bring it to me so i don't have to leave my house Right, like, right. I'm not going to go to church because, like, I don't want to be around people. It makes me nervous or, like, that kind of stuff. Like, there's an increasing amount of all of that that at some point we have to see that as a problem. And we have to be willing to, like, I would argue, to be willing to love people enough yeah. to make them mm-hmm. uncomfortable, to push them to grow out of that uncomfortable, like, bubble that, like, yes. Yes. Otherwise, if we just cater to them where they're at, we're helping them in a way that's actually not helping them and that's making them worse. And they're right. ultimately not living a, the, a, the, a lifestyle that God had designed for them to, to live. Yeah. It's bondage. Um, yeah. It's bondage. Yeah. You know, because you become, you're, you're, you're in bondage to this platform and that's the only way that you feel that. And so that, that's that the you know, only way you feel connection, the only way you feel love, the only way you feel, satisfaction and you and i both know that's not that's not what god's ultimate design for us is um and so i want to see if, i want to see if you share the same viewpoint on this but if if i'm someone who has been presented the love of christ who struggles with social anxiety um, who has believed in this message, believe in the gospel, but I show with anxiety. I don't want to be around people. And, um, I'm, I'm too nervous. I'm not confident enough. It's just insecurity, right? Like at that down to a root issue, what would you call that? Like what, like to the root issue, what would I call like social anxiety? Yeah, like where does that come from? Uh, dude, um, I think it's different. It's different, man. Um, like it's, I mean, I think you can say that sometimes it is uh, insecurity, right? Um, right. I think a lot of times, dude, because I'm not dodging the question, but I, I don't think it's that simple. Um, yeah, yeah. For some people, it is uh, insecurity. Uh, yeah. For some people, they probably didn't have like a, a good, uh, a healthy child uh, childhood uh, growing up, and so like they probably didn't they like they probably didn't see a lot of people growing up, and so like they just feel really anxious and nervous around other people because they didn't like they weren't able to learn the social cues you use sure. growing up, and so like for example like during um the I mean COVID not COVID or whatever COVID I call it C nineteen because I just think it sounds cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah. like, so during COVID, I mean, 
I'd spent most of COVID out in rural West Texas, so I didn't have to put up with, like a lot of the blue crap that a lot of people like you probably had to do with. And even like a lot of the crap mm. you had to put up with probably bad as what people like in California, New York, right, uh, Wisconsin, right, right. right, they, right. they had to do. Right. Um, but like a lot of kids, a lot of kids wore masks to school for a couple of years, like right. little kids. Right. And so you got little kids in kindergarten, first, second, third grade who were wearing masks every day for like years. Yeah. And unfortunately, some of them still are. And so during that, uh, that young age, you're supposed to be learning a lot of like natural social cues that you just learn subconsciously from being around other kids and other adults every day in these different environments. And so like most of your facial, most of the facial, your social cues come from like right here, come from your mouth and your, your face. And right. so a lot of kids did, were deprived of that for two years or more. Yeah. And so. Yeah. They are socially like behind. And yeah. that's a problem. And right. it's being proven to be a problem because you, their social growth is stunted. And so like a lot of if you a lot of kids, if they grew up, their parents didn't leave them, let them out of the house for like X number of reasons, like that can create social anxiety. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Um yeah. being like abused uh can cause social anxiety. Um Maybe like you have a certain personality type and your parents didn't really respect or understand it growing up that could cause social anxiety. And so like, there's a lot of things, man. Um, yeah. Is that like kind of what you're getting at? Yes. And I guess I don't want to sound rash by saying this, but like, no, go for it. I don't care. I just think it's, I just think it's a result of a broken world. No, yeah, it is. And I, and I, and I know I jumped from there to there like really quick, but it's just, it's a broken world. And, and, yeah. and that's, and that's how I think of it. And so to, to summarize it, I, I, I think that insecurity at the root issue is pride and it's, and I, and I don't want to say social anxiety, but insecurity itself, if you think about it, it's pride, it's, it's, you don't want to go through the stress, the, the pain of having to be vulnerable about things because you care a lot about you. And so you yeah. don't want, right? And so that's, that's pride. And what do we know that pride is? Pride's sinful. Would you agree with that? No, yes. Yeah, sorry, man. I thought you froze. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, yeah, of course, like pride is so like, scriptures, scripture's clear that pride is sinful. And, and so that's where I, I line up with you is just like, when it comes to dealing with someone who you're discipling to and a student that you're discipling to, that's why it's so, so important to walk a fine line of, okay, I'm going to meet this person where they're at. Why? Well, because the foundation of our faith, Jesus did, right? Yes. And so he met people where they're at, but called them to something more. Right. And so what does that look like for us discipling to Gen Z? Well, we got to meet them where they're at. And I think that I, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of a church that has been, has that, that's been their mission. Um, and I'm also blessed to be a part of a church that we, we want to equip those students now who struggle with social anxiety, who struggle with whether that's a result of their insecurities or it's a result of the cards they were dealt, like a lot of things that you said, right? But we all know that 
all of it. It's a resolved broken world that was because of sin. And because we are bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ, that we get to encourage these students to know that, hey, the reason why we deal with these things that you and I are dealing with, whether that's your insecurities, your social anxiety, your image issues, whatever it might be, that is all all a result of sin. And Jesus died for that. Jesus dies that you no longer have to live in bondage to that. And so that's where I think when we identify the root of the issue, it's, it's a heart issue. It's how all of us in some way, shape, or form are affected by sin. And yes, we, and we as Christ followers should bear the image of what it looks like to no longer live in bondage to those things because we are now in chains for Christ. And so the big question is, how do we do that with Generation Z? Well, I think part of, the, part of it is meeting them where they're at. And then, like you said, finding a way to call them to something better than being in bondage to their technology and finding connection only through technology. Let me, let me ask you to this, but let me ask you at a more personal level. Yes. So like, I mean, y- y'all are part of a big church. So the way yes. y'all make big church smaller is through small groups. And like, like I get that, man. There's right, right. nothing inherently wrong with that. But like for you personally, man, like how, like, cause I'm assuming the way you don't, you disciple through small groups, but you're not limited to discipling just through small groups. I'm assuming, right. like, I, I assume that you have, you're building close intimate relationships with some of your, like some of your students. Yeah. And like, and so, like, if you've got a like, if you've got a student who is like, and I guess in bondage to like the technology, like you're saying, like, what is a way that you have or will or can meet them where they're at, like you're saying, and then like out of mercy and grace, meet them where they're at, and uh, work with them. Uh, so that way they can move out of that bondage and start living the kind of life that God created them to live. Yeah. So small groups well, is a part of that, but I'm, it can't be just small groups. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a mo- it's, it's our model, right? Is corporate and corporate worship, you know, can sit under teaching of, of our, of our awesome teaching team. Um, our, our, from from there, we we then have small groups in our youth ministry, right? But between that, between that is where a lot of our core values come into play. One of the ones that we are really, really um, attacking, if you will, um, this summer and leading into next fall is how do we partner with parents better, because. When we, there's that gap from, you know, moving from, okay, now I'm not just sitting under teaching on Sunday mornings, but I'm taking time out of my week to go meet with a smaller group to dive deeper into it. When it comes to the context of being in youth ministry, these kids, like we talked about, these kids don't drive themselves. They can only control so much. And so what's their avenue to get into these events or their motivation to be at these events? Well, it's the parents. It's partnering with those parents and letting those parents know that they are loved and that we are for them. We're not against them. Right. A lot of, you know, sometimes parents may feel that, you know, 
a, a, a youth ministry has it all figured out and that and they're trying to do better than they are as a parent and that's not true we want to partner with you as a parent and pour into you because we know that no one spends more time with those kids than the parents do and no one cares more than those parents no one loves their students more than those parents so for me personally um it's what's my relationship like with those parents and i can't say i'm perfect at that like I've struggled with that because it's yeah. hard for me to, you know, you're talking, we're talking about, you know, you and I connecting with generation Z. Well, this conversation is, okay, how do I connect with the generation above me? You know? And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a, that's a challenge in and of itself. But the beauty in this is the answer to your question is partnering with the home, the parent household, whatever that situation looks like. And finding ways to disciple one-on-one. And the reason why I always say small groups is because our small groups lead to that. Our small groups develop connections in the small group. We, we encourage our small group leaders to connect with parents because that's the best way that you're going to have a strong, meaningful connection with that child. Because once you gain rapport with that parent, that parent's going to want to be surrounded by a team. And when that parent has a team, they're going to work much more like a well-oiled machine when it comes to influencing their child when they know they're not alone. Gotcha. All right, man. So I went under the cyberspace, dude. Okay. And asked a lot of people to uh, describe Generation Z in three words. Okay. How do you think that went? (laughs) (laughs) Um, not good. <laughs> it's like, it reminds yeah. me of my, reminds me of my, my boss, uh, Taylor. He, he encouraged me to share the gospel in 12 words or less. And, uh, that was hard. Um, Dude, so um, I can't imagine explaining Generation Z. Do you know, uh, you know the rapper, uh, Propaganda, right? Yeah. Did he do it in like six words or what? Well, he did like, like four minutes or something. Uh, okay. Like a long time ago, you were probably like still in high school. Yeah. God, I hate how long ago that was. All right, man. So I just want to get your take on these. They're mostly negative. You know, I'm just gonna let you know. Right? I saw propaganda not too long ago, actually. Well, like about two, a little bit, like two years, almost two years ago. Like, where? What was? What was going on? It was Andy Mineo's most recent album tour. Oh, the, um, Neverland Two. I didn't know and, that. Album. He came out in Houston. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite of his. He sounded way too much like, you know, normal rap. But, you know, it is what it is. If you're listening to this, Andy, I, lo- I still love you. You're my favorite rapper of all time. But anyways, you were saying... I, I, I really don't want to go like a CHH crap talking fest. Yeah, exactly. we can. We can. Um, all right, man. So here's what people said, man. And I want to get your response on it. Okay. Um, they are indulgent and have a victim complex. Indulgent and victim complex? Yeah. That's, wait, that's still... It's, well, that's... not People don't follow the rules. Man. Gosh dang it. <laughs> um, it is three words, but it's two, it's two descriptions, right? Yeah. So they said, uh, so like, is that fair or is that overly harsh? Like, what do you think? Can you say it one more time? Sorry. Right, so I asked, what are three words that describe Generation Z? 
And this person gave me three words, but two things. And they said indulgence and uh, they have victim complexes. What are my thoughts on that? Yeah, dude. Indulgent, meaning they take in and take in and take in. Yeah, other way for saying that is indulgent. It's clarified. <laughs> um, I would agree with... Say the second part one more time. Victim complex, victim complex. Yeah. I would agree with I would agree with both to an extent, but my extent isn't very far from my you know if this is yes and I'm yeah answering the question, my extent is like right here. Okay. Okay. I think we're all indulgent. Like Fair. I think we're all extremely indulgent, whether you're an indulgent in food, whether you're indulgent in what you look at, you're indulgent in how you spend your time. Like we're all, I think that's a very broad statement to make, you know, Fair enough. I, I would, maybe if you, maybe if he clarified, on indul he has three words, right? So right, right. he can't, but I don't think, I don't think that's fair at all to say that just they are indulgent. Um, no, I would, I would agree with you on that. And then, vi victim. Uh, how is it worded? Victim complex. Victim complex. Um, man, I would say I've played the victim complex a lot. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to personalize this to me. Even though I'm, I, even though I'm a millennial, it's like we've all, we've. We've all played victim. Now, here's, here's the issue. We live in an age, like we talked about, where technology is so prevalent, where yeah. people can relate to something that didn't happen to them. Right? And so it's like... I kind of agree with you on that. I kind you know of what I mean? It's like yeah. you, you, someone like you who maybe has walked a similar life as you or, or whatnot, something happened to this person you know, over here. And because I have some level of relatability to that person, yeah. I can claim some of the hurt there. That's what I mean yeah. by that. Yeah. And I, I and think so, I think those are illusions. I think those are illusions. Right. Right. Um, I agree. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, do I think that, do I think that Gen Z has access to that type of mindset? More so than millennials did, or more so than you know the generation before us did. Yes, yeah. but I don't think that's their character trait or something to describe okay. them with. I just think it's a result of what they have access to. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's generous. Not over mean. Like I don't mean that be critical. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Would you disagree? Um, what, 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 what's your stance? What's your stance on no. that? Hey, uh, first of all, man, this is my podcast. Sorry, dude. like I ask questions here. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the skill of a great inter interviewee. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would argue that. Um, so I think at one point or another, I think everybody is has at one point been prone to playing victim, right? 
Right, right, right. Like you said that at the beginning when you answered the, the question. I think that's true. I think there's a level of self-awareness there that is good. Um, but I do think that as a characteristic of like that generation is most prone to the, the idea of a victim complex than previous generations, probably the last, the couple of ones before them. I would agree. Um, I agree. I actually think, uh, uh, I actually think boomers are really bad about that, but that's another conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, I do think Jim, Gen Z is actually really bad about that. Man. Um, yeah. there's an overwhelming amount of like footage on the internet that proves, that proves that. Yeah. They're the, a lot of the ones that are out there writing and like doing like really awful, ineffective protesting. They tend to be the ones that get on the phone and talk about like, I'm literally shaking because this thing happened, like, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like, does that mean that every, every person who is Gen Z does that? No. Right. Uh, but that generation is the most prone to do things like that. Right. Um, I think I that's, there's some, yeah. And I think there's some truth to it, to this statement, though. Like, yes, because of how this generation reacts to seeing this story or watching this video, now there's a burden on the media to put out stories that are going to attract that attention. Yes. For it's, for money and stuff. And so, so like... A burden, it's, not a, it's not a burden. I mean, it is a burden because how many people—they don't have to, man. They can just do the job with integrity. I yes, exactly. But they have a burden to do the job with integrity. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) I I, I was meaning it in a negative sense, but I get it. I get it. I get it. Fair enough. We're good. We're good. So to answer the question, I don't necessarily think that that description is fair. Okay, but I would agree with it to an extent. Alright. Um let me see. I'm not gonna go through all these because it'll get really depressing. Uh, I do want to do one more though. Um and I'm kind of picking just a second. I am picking uh things that people said that you hear quite often. Um is Gen Z radical? I R or radical? Sorry. R A D I C A O. I thought you said irradical. I'm like, um, are they radical? Let's look at the definition of radical. I, I I have my definition, but I'm interested to see. Okay. My my definition is going to extremes. Yeah. Yeah, extreme or drastic, yeah. I consider myself radical in a lot of ways. Relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something. I'm radically against taxes. <laughs> Advocating or base I can't I, taxes. Every every week I I'll, I'll get on Facebook my one time a week and I'll see your weekly rant on taxes or shared yeah, meme on taxes yeah, based what's on the appro- what's the appropriate amount of taxes none yeah yeah there you go. <laughs> so you're, you're radical too man 
I'm just reading. I'm quoting your post. So I'm not making my belief sta- statement. Don't cancel me. Oh, dude. He hates Texas. <laughs> he wants to bomb the IRS. Uh, um, okay, so. I want to bomb the IRS so bad. Radical. You're radical. Advocating or based on thorough or complete political or social change. Representing yeah. or supporting an extreme or progressive section of a political party. So I'm going to be honest. The guy that absolutely, that, I think, I think that's exactly what this guy's talking about when he said radical. I I think if that's the definition, there are so many young people and my age too, yeah, that are professionals on what they're talking about, yeah. self-proclaimed professionals, and outrageous about it. And I would say, so I would say yes, I, I would agree okay. with that. And I don't necessarily think that that's a I don't necessarily always think that's a bad thing. Not necessarily. Like, if they're radically against taxes, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> However, I don't think a lot of the, the, the radicals of the Z are against taxes. I think they radically want to increase taxes. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not an expert on it, so. I'm not either. But, <laughs> but I just think, too, like, whenever I read this word, this is, you know, my my mind and how I work or how I think about it. But um, I just think of Jesus, right? Like Jesus was radical and yeah, radical for all the right reasons. Yeah. So I don't see it as a bad quality and I don't see it as a negative quality. I just think of it as, you know, a trait. And I, I think that does, I think it does describe Gen Z for sure. Like. Taxes go against his moral law. Like, don't steal. <laughs> I'm not educated enough on taxes to to banter on this. I'm sorry. Did you consent that money being taken out of your paycheck? Um, I got an extension recently, so um, so I guess I I can't say I haven't yet. So you uh, okay, man? If you consented. So that money being taken out of your paycheck, then I mean, you didn't quit school. <laughs> y'all, y'all need to follow this guy on social media <laughs> because these are all things that I've seen on his Facebook page, and it's great. All right, I got one more, man. Let me do one more. Um, okay. Gen Z is angry. Gen Z is angry. Yeah. No, I would say passionate. Oh, I love you, dude. You're such a positive guy. Because I don't mean that positively because passions, passion can be okay. positive or like I could have passion yeah. for terrible things, right? Well, there's like the legal term for like uh, something you can, uh, you, you can murder somebody, but it could be considered a crime of passion. Yeah. So yeah. That's a negative way that, uh, you can say that passions you, but go ahead, man. Go ahead and expand that. Yeah, no, I just think it's, I think passion is is more accurate, uh, and, and if whoever wrote that was coming from that perspective of passion in a negative sense, then that's their prerogative. My yeah. point of it is passion is prevalent in in Gen Z. You 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 get you open TikTok, and bam, you have. Some passionate Gen Z 
self-proclaimed trainer in the, in the fitness industry who is passionate about what he's doing. He's passionate about his, about his knowledge, even though he may not have gone through all the schooling and all, all that stuff for it, but he's done it. He's got the experience. You know what I mean? Like, you know, passion is definitely prevalent throughout okay. Gen Z. So honestly, man, I'm not, I don't go around like, even though like, I'm kind of like trying to like push you on some of your responses and stuff. Um, I love I'm it. not. Here, I like when you like, push me. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Like, I'm not like a, I don't go around bashing Gen Z like a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, there's certain things I see within Gen Z that I kind of find concerning. Yeah. Um, just sure. like with any generation. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a lot of people that talk about how like Gen Z is already like, like hopeless and all that kind of stuff and like all that kind of bull crap, which is just crap. Um, like it's really way, too, it's way too early to actually make judgments on Gen Z. But like there are things that are like, concerning and alarming within Gen Z that is probably a little more unique to them that we didn't see like within a couple of the previous generations, right? Like, I mean, there is like a lot of like radical stuff within Gen Z that you didn't see with like the, the last few generations. Um, like there's a lot of like, like uh, socialist and Marxist ideologies that Gen Z tends to be more accepting to that the previous generations weren't. Cultural. Um, <laughs> I see what you do. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> uh, but like Gen Z is still young, man. And so like, you don't really, we don't really know how it's going to evolve. Um, like, and like, they do seem, you can call it angry, you can call it passionate, passionate. I like that problem. Um, that you see within them a little bit more than you saw the previous generations. That can be a good thing. That can also be a bad thing. Um, their dependence on not just technology, man, but easy technology, like the phone. Yeah. Their dependence on like easy technology isn't inherently a bad thing, but it's something I think that's worth paying attention to. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. the one thing that we haven't been talked about this time that if you'd like to come back and talk about, it, I would like to because you do work with these people every day. Yeah. Is how open they are to uh, like uh, gender theory and like the, the transgenderism and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. They are statistically more accepting and open to that stuff than any of, excluding millions of like yeah. way more yeah. accepting to that. That yeah. is like heavily concerned. Before I move on, here my, can I get my three words? Go for it, man. Do it. Love, peace, seekers. Okay. Like, and again, I think love encompasses passion, right? Like, yeah. and I have a different, I have a different angle than that last person, right? Like angry love. I think that you, one can argue that those are opposites, but it comes from passion, right? And we see that, um, we see peace, we, right? Like we want social justice. Um, that's a high priority of Gen Z. Um, and, and so that's, that's prevalent and seekers. Like they don't, they don't just sit, they do, right? Like Gen Z seeks it out. They do it, whether that's via social media or technology, or they go out and, and stand up for what they believe in. They protest and it may be out of passion. It may not be out of logic and correctness, um, but it is out of love. Right. And so um, I think, I think wisdom is, is important to have with those things and to be careful to go and act on those without wisdom is dangerous. 
right? Seeking love and seeking yeah. peace without wisdom is dangerous. Um, and we know that true wisdom comes from our relationship with Jesus, right? So that's our, that's our, our burden as, um, ministers is for sure wisdom and truth absolutely behind all that and so all right so what 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 was your following question in terms of shifting to that well, the next conversation oh i do want to add to that real quick it's like one of the one of the reasons i think this is a good conversation to have with somebody like such as yourself who works with like the these kids like every day is like you have every day like uh like on the ground like experience like hanging out, uh, pouring like yourself, like in these kids and that kind of thing. Where like a lot of people, their perception about this generation comes from what the algorithm on their social platform of choice has showed them like about these people, right? Yeah. And so like it's what their, the algorithm of their social platform of choice has showed them, whether it be through like, um, long video format, like short reels and stories and that kind of thing, or whatever like political news bias uh, has showed them and told them to think about like those people yeah and like whether everybody whether anybody wants to admit or not like everybody is being like in a sense kind of like uh like tricked and led to think about something like every day yeah and like but I think, everybody has a responsibility to fight that stuff to an extent. oh 100 yeah and that's and that's what i was gonna say is like what we are tricked when we don't put on the helmet of salvation right like that's just, what are you saying that that's what came to mind. It's like, okay, that's why it's so important to put on the armor of God. Right. And yeah. put on the belt of truth and, and have those things ready and put those things on every day. Because if we don't, we will be tricked. But for those who are in Christ, we have now the ability to choose a different way um, and to not be tripped up. And I'm not perfect at it. And I know you're not perfect at it, but I mean, that's my guess. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there. Yeah. You may be perfect at it, but yeah. <laughs> um, but like hypothetically, man, like let's just say, right? Let's just say Gen Z is radical. Let's just say Gen Z is angry. Let's just say Gen Z is like uh, has a victim complex. Let's just say like it's all these things that I'm reading off of the screen over here. Yeah. Let's just say that it's true. Yeah. Every single one of those is a reason to go like and minister to those yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, like let's just be pessimistic. Say they're right. Well, that's even, that's a stronger reason to go and pour into them, to minister uh-huh. to them, to disciple them, to evangelize, to, to serve them, and to like raise them up so that way they, we can see them become a followers of Christ and become a trans, become transformed people. So like, yeah. if that is even true, that's not a reason to hate on them and neglect them. That's even more right. reason to go like love them and pour in. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think it's important to recognize too, like, um, we, we were reading in our Bible study today in Psalm, you know, David, not, not David, um, Asaph is, is writing in, in this part of Psalm. Um, and he's expressing how he views other people who are not following God, who are not following, um, you know, his commands. And he gets to a certain point though, in his rant and he is like, Oh, but when I stepped into your sanctuary, I realized my wretchedness. I realized my bitterness in my heart. Um, and so I think even before we get to that point where 
we feel that need because there is this depravity and this bondage that Generation Z is dealing with. We also need to recognize that we, God first loved us. We didn't bring ourselves out of our, out, out of our own, our, our own bondage, our own sin. Right. And so when we go at it, like you said, in, in Generation Z, there is some Generation Z individuals that are that way, right? That are yeah. angry. At, like, there is. The only way that we are going to prime our heart to go and disciple to them is when, when we first check ourselves at the door of a Generation Z's home and realize, I sinned too. And I was, I was a, a child of, of wrath um, before I was a child of God. And I need to yeah. come at it with that humility. Because if we don't, we are going to be argumentative, trying to be right and not fostering relationship first. There you go, man. All right. So let me ask you this. Yeah. You're a gamer, right? Yeah. You seem to be like professional Call of Duty gamer. Not professional. But uh, I, I say what? Semi pro. Let's put it this way. A couple nights ago, I was playing and I hop around a corner and I, I lace this kid. I mean, I just wipe him off the mat. And you get death comms, right? Whenever you kill someone. So it lets you know what that person's saying. And so I go, 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 go. Kid's dead. And he was like, oh my gosh, that kid was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the response, and so that's I'll, I'll let I'll let that speak for itself. I'm good. Are esports sports? Uh, no. Oh, thank God. But I will say, I will say that when it comes to the processing and the multitasking, that an individual has to do to keep up with some of the level of gaming that there is. Please don't. It requires just as much brain activity as having to read as is a safety dropping as a cornerback, uh, as a cornerback pressing, um, is a middle, middle linebacker sitting in zone or is he, is he blitzing? Is that rusher? You know, it's same as that thing. Same as that thing. Mentally, mentally, but it's not a sport. And here's why. Because this has to process to exertion of the body, right? So, like, if I'm processing this here, okay, what am I doing locomotively to respond to that? Whereas, you're this. If this is a sport, then every businessman who walks the street of New York texting his, his wife, boss, coworkers, and clients all at once, that's got to be a sport, too. So and, and it's okay. Not. All right, you almost lost me, man. But we're good. We're good. Cool. Um, esports are competitive hobbies. Yes. All right. We can be friends. Yeah, we can still be friends. Now. We're good. Dude, here we go. I'll say. Oh, just like, wrong. Is it? no. Yeah, it's this one. There we go. All right, cool. <laughs> Dude, man, like I have bad. I've almost gotten jumped because I said esports aren't sports before. People are crazy. Yeah, it's cheerleading it's a sport. I, I, you know what? Yes, it is actually. I, yeah, I, 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 I strongly disagree with anyone that says, "Oh, cheerleading is not a sport." Bullcrap. 
not Absolutely just because sport. like <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's a sport, dude. I don't think a lot of people know that they actually go to competitions. No, yeah, I there's. I had so, no idea till I watched Bring It On. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's so prevalent here in Houston, bro. It's big. Um, my best friend who uh, just got engaged, um, his his fiance um, was huge into cheerleading and stuff, and she went to Disney all the time. Went to the EA Sports and uh, ESPN Center in Disney, and like yeah. All that stuff is crazy. I don't understand it at all, but it's still a sport. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it's just what it is, but it's a sport. Yeah. Um, I would much rather like watch gymnastics than cheerleading. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're not the same thing, but like they're both female dominated, I guess. Yeah. All right, man. So for the most part, we've been talking about like Gen Z this whole time, right? And so we've talked about like kind of your experience as you like you made a sort of Gen Z. Uh, we kind of like talked about like what we see as like social norms and what's trending. Uh, brought in a little bit of like feedback from the, uh, from the socials of like people describing Gen Z in three words and, and that kind of thing. Um, what would you like to say to people who probably are on the verge of like they don't they don't kind of view Gen Z as like worth their time or maybe they just like, they're scared, they're nervous. Like they don't really know how to feel like they know how to talk to them or relate to them. Like, what would you like to say like to, to that person? I'm going to try not to get emotional, um, but it's already happening <laughs> to the person who's frustrated and angry at the next generation. Um, like I said earlier, I, I urge you to remind to remind yourself of how Roman talks about all of us. Um, there you go, man. Right, like man, I've been weighing on this heavy myself this past week, right? Like I can find myself just casting out my anger at others. I'm not where I want to be because of others. I'm not where I want to be because uh, 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 if I was just at a different time in life and I was doing this at this time in life, like it would be better. No, I need to recognize where I was and where I sometimes find myself and remind myself that I am in need of God's grace no matter what. And so that applies to the individual who is angry at the next generation, who wants the next generation to just conform to what you think or how you think they should be. And I urge you to remind yourself of where you came from and, and who you were when Jesus died for you. And then rethink why you're angry and why you're not heartbroken. And I think that will change the way you go about navigating your future as you obviously care about Gen Z that is going to humble you and prepare your heart to actually have real connection that matters and not just be right even though you might be and then to the person who's just scared just know that they're not looking Gen Z isn't looking 
for you to be right. They're looking for you to be loving. I say that very clearly because, yes, being right is important and bringing truth is important. And a lot of reasons why yeah. I get scared personally, reason why I get scared personally is because I don't want to do it wrong. Like, yeah. I know that's true. I know that being true is important. So I get scared because I just don't want to be wrong. So I shy away from it in the first place. Just be loving. Speak from your heart. And that's something that I have to get reminded of all the time. Be who God made you to be. And that's bold. Be a bold version of you and just love. And when you develop that connection, and when you develop that relationship, there's going to be a time because of how you develop that relationship where you're finally going to be able to speak truth. And shoving truth down people's throats when they're not ready for it, when they need milk and not steak, and forcing them to chew on steak when they're still when they, when they still need the bottle, it's not going to work. They're going to choke, right? So, yeah. if you're afraid of being wrong or afraid of doing it wrong, <laughs> and they're too intimidating for you, just know they're not looking for you to be right. They're looking for you to be relational, and it's a lot easier to be relational first. And then when you're relational first, being right comes a lot easier because they're ready for you to share your truth. Awesome. Thanks I just for sharing that. You got close though. You got close. Yeah, I got close. <laughs> but thanks for sharing that, man. Thanks for coming on again. And uh, let's see. You want to come back on again sometime? Yeah, sure. You sure? <laughs> I'll be honest, dude. Like, I'll be honest, dude. Like I told my, I I had to leave earlier because my boss was my boss stopped by and I had to talk to him about summer camp stuff. But yeah, I told him I was like, dude, I have no idea what I'm about to talk about. Like, I just <laughs> I I'm still learning at this, and I still like half the things I'm sitting back here saying, was that right? Is that true? Um, so <laughs> take take that as it is. If if what I said has some value to it, awesome. But um, thanks for chatting with me, bro. And thanks for someone, thanks for being someone that even though I know this is going to go out to, you know, you know, however many people, um, yeah. this always just feels like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, and I feel safe with you talking about these things, knowing that anyone's going to hear it. And I just want to share it to, to you, dude. And I don't want you to cut this out. So many of my <laughs> family members. Yeah. So many of my family members that come from a lot of the same um, background that I do in terms of my testimony going from, you know, a specific denomination to another um, and then not claiming denomination anymore, just calling myself a Christian, like some of my family has been there or maybe even are there. <laughs> and I just want you to know that there was so many good meat full like full of meat conversations um that were had with my family and um so many of my family watched all the way through and comments like i never thought about that way because and, and just so thank you for your platform and for everyone that you work with to do this um and for everyone, that, everyone that's watching this is a salt of the earth guy and i would not be who i am <laughs> if it weren't for him so that's my appreciate, appreciate you thanks a lot dude I'm Look glad that it's 
it's it's fun to do this. Um, it's interesting to see like how we get connected with different people. But like, I'm just glad that um, it's making an impact in people's lives. And so like, yeah. I'm I'm dude, I love that your family watches it, man. I love that it's created phenomenal conversations. Yeah. Um, I love hearing that it's changed people's lives within the family. Uh, like that's awesome stuff, man. Those are the things that like we hope will happen. Those are the things we hope will happen when we record these and put them out there and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, like obviously we don't obviously we don't get views like Joe Rogan does and that kind of thing. And that's right, perfectly right, fine. Right. Uh, right. But like just knowing that like like you said, man, like you just shared, like people from the family who've gone through similar similar things. Yeah. They watch it. It creates conversation, creates questions. Uh, lives have been changed from it. Like that's fantastic. Man. And they're that. all on the the they're on the East Coast, like Florida, yeah. uh, Georgia, South Carolina, um, Tennessee. Um, it's really cool the reach that you have. That's cool, man. That's awesome, dude. Thanks for sharing that, man. Thanks for coming on again. They just killed the lights off at my at my office. All right, dude. We're about to <laughs> keep. All right, we're signing off. <laughs> all right, man. Anyways, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. If you enjoyed the conversation, like I said before, don't forget to like the video. Uh, please subscribe, click the bell. It makes a difference. Any comments, any questions, anything you have, like please drop them b- below and uh, we'll get back to you. And until next time, everybody, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.